I'm Lucia. I'm Elena. And this is an Inconvenient Podcast. And this is an Inconvenient Podcast. (laughs) Thanks, Elena, for the backup. (laughs) Hello. Hello. My microphone was off and you just missed an entire conversation about... Jeans. Gen Z's jeans and uh, and nap it was seven dresses. minutes long, and you missed the entire thing. Seven uh, Lucia's long. mic wasn't on, um, and my mic was on though. So if you ever want to hear me talking about jeans <laughs> with pauses in between, hit hit me up. If you ever want to hear a one sided conversation <laughs> about jeans, uh, the funny thing about jeans, if I may, is that I've been yes. cycling jeans. In, like in my life so I've been trying on a bunch of different mm. jeans for the past month I've been ordering them trying them on oh, smart. and then and then walking a, an hour and a half to the Levi store to return them um but mm, yeah that. it's it's been a really it's a it's been really great I've been trying on different styles like the rib cage jeans for Levi's which are incredibly high-waisted um and my my friends and my uh, and gray have been just have been just saying I've been cycling through jeans that I am the jean woman. So you're the jean queen. Yeah, which is something I am gonna talk about later in this podcast. Is jean so related? It's relevant. It is relevant. It's relevant. Yeah. I am mad at myself because I went to the Everlane store in New oh. York, which oh, I you went to can only Everlane go once in a lifetime. Everlane store, and I went specifically because I was like, I'm gonna try on all the jeans. And so I can know what my actual size is so then I can order them online whenever I want. And I only tried on one pair because yeah. I got really stressed out. It's stressful and I bought there, that yeah. pair. It's really stressful. And I was like, I just am not in the mood. to. I was in my mask and I had a backpack. And I was like, I'm just, I'm not in the mood to go back <laughs> and, and forth, in and out, taking off my pants. <laughs> and um, and so now I want to order more jeans, and I don't know what size I am. Wait, but the pair. whole point of going. You, you bought a pair, though. I do. I did buy that one pair, but sometimes it's different styles. Yeah, they're different sizes. It might be sizes. like one size off. And then it's that whole process of returning it. We just need an Everlane store in Chicago. Hello, Everlane, our corporate sponsor. Hello, Everlane. <laughs> Hello, Hello, Everlane. Um, I have never bought their jeans because I'm also worried about, like, you know, the, the whole thing. <laughs> All the whole the, thing. Uh, ordering the whole a bunch. Thing. I don't have the capacity to order five pairs of jeans onto my credit card I, and yeah, then exactly. keep one pair and wait five weeks to get reimbursed. I can't, I, I can't do that. Well, the problem is also that when I say I'm going to do that, I usually get so anxious about the extra task of having to return you it and go to You just keep all the, of them? I just keep them. <laughs> all the sizes. I've done that many times before. <laughs> Not with jeans, but I've done that with things that I've ordered where the task of... Uh, returning is too overwhelming for my little, little sensitive brain that I keep it. <laughs> and uh, that's ADHD, folks. Yeah. And I also don't have a printer, so I can't print off return yeah. labels. So sometimes they don't send a return label, and that is oh, also please, very companies, stressful. all the companies please in the world, companies. if you're listening to our podcast, God. um, I wonder if that is like a way that they try to trick us into keeping things. They're like, uh, they know some people will be too stressed out to print out a return <laughs> label. 
or don't have yeah. like printer money yeah maybe oh i i honestly like when i yeah they're like oh we're sending it to this poor girl without a printer no worries <laughs> well honestly like when i do order stuff i'm i i like i like when the store is in chicago so then i have the option yeah. of going to I, that's it. very true uh, that's very me, true though. but anyway no that's that's my ideal like if everlane was in chicago i it would be the only place i would shop but levi's jeans last thing i'll say on jeans i've had <laughs> sometimes hit or miss with levi's jeans because oh, yeah. they're a little bit out of my price range i would ideally like to buy a jean that is around 80 dollars there's sometimes are 110 to 20 dollars and and then every time I've bought sale Levi's jeans, there's always something very off. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I always like convince myself that the small thing that's wrong with sale jeans is fine. <laughs> like I bought a pair of Levi's jeans once that was for people who were very tall, and I was like, "That's fine. I'll just roll up the ankles." It's like I had to roll them up like eight times to <laughs> to get to like a regular. You're a short person. Yeah, and um, <laughs> I was like, after I bought them, and I was like, "This is the dumbest purchase I've." And it was hard to get them on, like I, because <laughs> they were just like uh, like a foot of fabric. <laughs> oh no! That was like hanging out at the end, and I was like, "Elena, this wasn't worth like the twenty percent off or whatever." Every time I've bought sale Levi's jeans, there's like a major design flaw. <laughs> it just happened to be on that pair. It's like the, they're not really high waisted. They just go up to below the belly button or something. <laughs> oh yeah, don't trust when Levi's says high waisted. You you gotta get their super high waisted. You super high waisted. Yeah, because yeah. like their regular high waisted is just like not. It's not what I consider mm-hmm. high waisted, which is to my to my breasts to my literal (laughs) neck uh anyway we love jeans we could have a whole podcast (laughs) on jeans i love jeans we'll talk about this later but that's not a bad idea because i feel like every woman i've or man that i've ever talked to has just complained about like trying to find good jeans oh my gosh i'm gonna google right now jeans podcast because I feel like this I be- have a lifelong passion. I coffee, jeans, and Jesus podcast. They can't be no, right. That's about <laughs> Jesus. That's I about can't Jesus. Be right. Oh my gosh! There's no gene specific podcast. This we've we've cracked it. Wait, Lucia, we can't air this because people are gonna steal <laughs> our idea. <laughs> okay. Okay, 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 Jeans Podcast. We're, we're scrapping this environmental podcast and we're just yeah, talking jeans. Well, because the other thing is, like, ideally I do want to thrift most things right. I wear, but I have a really hard time thrifting jeans. Yeah, jeans are such hard. a They're hard enough to find already, mm-hmm. let alone the off chance <laughs> I'm going to find a stranger's jeans that fit me. Yeah, I... There's... You know, Levi's has a, like, secondhand store that's online. But it's, like, you can't return them to the store. You have to pay. I think you have to pay for, like, shipping back. Like, it's, like, a whole complicated thing. And that's, like, I'd like to try these on. But. Yeah. No. But instead, I'm going to waste a lot of water <laughs> buying more yeah. new jeans. Uh, but anyway, you we will. are going to keep this in mind. And you next week, you might be hearing about a jeans podcast <laughs> new jeans podcast <laughs> um which i we're laughing now but 
I'm seriously thinking of it. I'm already committed to it. (laughs) I'm already committed to it. Uh, But we've... we've... A sustainable jeans podcast. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. Um, We get sponsors. It's funny, Lucia, that we've we've had two different intros now, about seven minutes long, that have been only about (laughs) jeans. Okay, uh, let's start our podcast. Let's start. Um, Okay, so my thorn for this week is about food waste. Oh. Um, So the UN, just this is from Mother Jones. The UN, uh, it was originally in The Guardian. Mm. Um, So the UN found in a new report that we throw out more than two trillion pounds of food every year. Wow, wait. Which is a lot of food. What does that feel like? Like, can you break that down? What's one trillion pounds of food, like, look like? How many elephants is that? (laughs) How many elephants is a a trillion tons? (laughs) One, okay, well, 18 trillion is 1 billion elephants. (laughs) (laughs) Could you imagine Um, how many elephants? I'm going to say what equals 1 trillion tons. Let's see. What? I'm having real trouble Well, look up, look up, like, what's, what? What item? (laughs) Um... Let's see. I'm having a real okay. <laughs> lot of trouble here. <laughs> well, everyone. Okay, just imagine. I'm sorry. 16 trillion tons is one. What was it? One million. Well, no, no, no. Nine trillion tons of ice equals 27 billion pl- airplanes. <laughs> These numbers. So let's say about. These numbers are too big. <laughs> <laughs> so let's say about a, a bunch of airplanes a bunch of airplanes wait how many airplanes did you just say nine <laughs> nine trillion tons is 27 billion airplanes 747 okay airplanes. so a lot of airplanes is what you're talking about oh, so a lot of multiple billion airplanes okay that's pretty crazy that is a lot um so this was, uh, yeah, so it's a lot. Um, and in the UK, where they got most of their research, they found that that for households, that equals about eight meals per households per week. So it's like throwing away eight entire meals per week, wow. which is crazy. And um, this is trash that's just, this is just coming from people's homes. Like it's it's like... Just this is a mix. So oh, the okay. two trillion is a mix of people's homes, um, food dumped from restaurants and shops, mm, okay. farms. Um, so yeah, they found that seventeen percent of all food dumped comes from food waste in restaurants and shops. Um, some comes from farms, like I said, um, and all of this equals out to a third of all food produced every year never being eaten. So, like, all the food on the planet, a third of it is never eaten. Mm. Um, And this is bad for many reasons. Mm. Um, One, like, we have – there's so much world hunger. There's so many people who die of hunger each year. And it's just so so much waste that could end up, you know, 
that could feed other people. But it also drives climate change and food waste is a huge contributor to the climate crisis because uh, food waste in landfills creates um, methane gas, which is even more potent than um carbon dioxide yeah uh so food waste causes 10 percent of the emissions driving climate change which is a lot is it it's pretty crazy wait so is it just the piles of trash are like what causes this or like yeah like the big problem is food and landfill okay okay what what can people do like i always think about this like whenever I eat dinner or some meal, I'll have, like, leftovers. And, like, you should obviously save the leftovers, but sometimes it's just, like, you just put it in the trash or or so. Like, what can you do personally to, like, stop this? <laughs> um. Well, so this report said that cutting food waste individually is one of the easiest ways to reduce a person's environmental impact. So um, they said, like, as a – like – on a wider scale, composting or giving it to animals. Mm. So, like, um, if we had some sort of system that, like, picked it up and brought it to farms, that would be ideal. But the thing that they were saying for individuals is to avoid buying too much food that you're not going to eat and then not using what you have. So, like, that would look like each week before you go grocery shopping, like, look at what you have in your fridge and, like, plan for what you have mm-hmm. and then only buy things that you will end up finishing or that will last. Um, and then composting. Composting is, I think, the biggest thing people can do. And, and what can you um, compost? You don't need... It depends. So if you have, like, a backyard compost, you can compost, like, pretty much all produce mm-hmm. and... Um, any food that can decompose except for animal products Mm. like dairy and um, meat and like bones usually don't do well in a backyard compost also because animals it attracts animals Mm -hmm. more but there are like my uh, my mom who lives in the suburbs of Chicago they have a municipal compost system and um, they can put bones meat they can put anything in the compost including um, like uh uh paper bags oh. and um and uh what's it called uh pizza boxes like with pizza stains on them so it's uh pretty much anything that can decompose goes into her municipal there are compost there are multiple compost pickup programs in chicago which i highly recommend mm-hmm. um urban canopy has one um and you just pay Depending on how often they come pick it up, what you choose, you pay like thirty dollars like, a month or like twenty six dollars. Do you like bring it out to them, or do you like leave it out on your porch? They give you, um, they give you a, a bucket that you can use. A come, there are these like compostable bags, mm-hmm. and and then you put it in there, and then they pick it up. Oh, that's really great. So, yeah, so I think that's one of the best ways for cities. Like New York has a municipal compost system, so which would be ideal. Um, but given how bad Chicago already is with recycling, yeah. you know, it's like... I wonder how this... But yeah. Can, yeah, like how efficient it actually is. Yeah, and then it's about getting enough people to actually do it. And, you know, but it is like one of the most important things that goes under... That sort of flies under the radar. Like I worked at a restaurant last year and there would just... Be, every trash can would be full of food yeah. that would just go out 
to the trash bins and it was so frustrating it, like gave me heart palpitations yeah i but like yeah. to compost on a restaurant like at the scale required for restaurants would that's you need like some pretty hefty compost systems yeah to get all that food and you would need like the care or the want like i feel like restaurants maybe don't even want to put in the energy into doing something like that um i think about like yeah. i used to work at a coffee shop in college which had recycling bins but they didn't actually recycle like they just yeah. threw the recycling into the garbage with everything else and it felt like an expose that i should have done or something but like i also know that that's not that uncommon but lots of restaurants oh yeah have. every restaurant i've ever worked at does the same thing because sometimes restaurants have to pay because it's all just about the bottom line mm -hmm. so it's like usually at the bottom of the list of things that they care about because a lot of restaurants are just trying to like stay afloat and make enough money every week and so and often like buying like buying a compost pickup would cost extra money like sometimes yeah. depending on where you are like even having a recycling one of the big bins in the back costs extra money and so often they just like don't want to do that yeah i i think that's so frustrating that it's up to like this personal thing I or know. like people talk about that with like raising the minimum wage as well where it's like you know, they're like, oh, if you raise the minimum wage, then rest like then uh, stores, restaurants, shops, they're going to suffer. But it's like, but then you're saying that, like, the only way that any of these places succeed is by the exploitation of their workers. So you could say the same thing about, like, environmental stuff where it's like, oh, so you're saying, like, the only reason that any of these places can stay afloat is by not having to pay for recycling or, or any of these other environmentally conscious things, like there's a problem there yeah. that's like a systemic problem <laughs> yeah it's like the it's the issue of the divide between because i think like where this is where the government would need to step in and create policies and create systems and like cultural shifts because otherwise you know we live in a capitalist society where it's like up to the up to the business yeah to do everything and it shouldn't but, be like that so yeah. socialism, socialism socialism our socialist genes podcast socialist genes oh my gosh uh, but it's gonna be called socialist genes i think podcast. that's a really good idea we'll come back to it that's we'll a good come idea. back we'll come back to it the last thing i'll say is that the un the un sustainable development goal is to have food waste by have it h-a-l-v mm -hmm. h-a-l-f uh, by 2030 mm -hmm. um and it found that 11 percent of all the food sold to consumers was wasted in homes in 2019 and yeah with restaurants discarding five percent and food shops dumping two percent yeah. so that's a pretty that's a pretty um ambitious goal yeah. but i think we have to do it i'm very i'm very very passionate about compost yeah and i think it's just not as hard as people think it is like like it depending where you live just try to see if there's like a municipality one that does it or if you do it in your own backyard or something like that like i'm sure that there's some sort of thing set up um just in your bedroom just throw your your food scraps into the, the corner of your bedroom or get by a by a bunny they'll like eat your 
There are actually some indoor compost systems that are, but they're like machine operated and they sort of, but they're definitely, they're more expensive and they're like very small scale. Like I most, I eat a lot of produce, so I create a lot of food waste. Yeah. uh, And especially people who like, like me, who buy veggies and then forget about them, that they're in the fridge and Mm, then they, that's a, a yeah. And then they get bad and then you're like, oh man, I got to throw it away. But then wouldn't it be nice if you could just put it in you know a compost pile or the woods or feed it to the little bunnies in your garden you know things like little that. bunnies little buns. yeah um, great yeah you should get urban canopy maybe we'll even link to some of these programs which we say every time <laughs> we never do it but you know what write it write it down so <laughs> um great do you want me to move on to your turn jeans um well the jeans is actually a rose so um the rose is that we're starting a new podcast (laughs) it's called socialist (laughs) jeans policy um which we did write down and we are still thinking about um that so my piece is actually um from a few weeks ago but i still think it's very relevant uh yeah so my piece is about um first nations uh, communities in Canada, which are indigenous communities in Canada. Um, so last month, late last month, um, if, um, the auditor general of Canada spoke about, um, how a lot of first nation communities in Canada still don't have access to safe tap water. Um, though, uh, around, so there's around 600 first nation communities. That's around 300, and 30,000 people and a big chunk of them uh, just either have boil water advisories or just don't even touch the water at all advisories um, wow. and that's been going on for for some communities for decades and when Justin Trudeau became prime minister uh, he committed to eliminating all these like long-term drinking water advisories in first nation communities he said he would do it by 2021 everyone was like justin trudeau you're so fucking tight like you're so much better than trump as we have you're learned, so, you're hot. so hot uh, as we've learned in recent years justin trudeau is uh i guess he's still kind of hot but he's like none of the other things um and he and he did do black he did do blackface and he is canada is just like has been notoriously terrible to their indigenous communities absolutely egregious and the fact that so many of these communities don't have access to clean water was something that trudeau was like we're gonna try to fix this and it just like didn't work like um of the 160 long-term drinking water advisories that were in place in 2015 60 are still in effect for 41 first nation communities and wow. 28 of those advisors advisories have lasted more than a decade so that's like t- for 28 years like 20 nations first nation communities in canada just like haven't had usable drinking water um and that is insane. right it is and it's it's like tap water yeah they basically have to bring in they have to buy bottled water bottled water right and it could be that they can boil their water but and if you have a boil water advisory you can i believe can still take showers um and you can still wash your clothing and things like that but like you can't drink the water you want to make sure you're not brushing your teeth like it's just and also the cost that is puts on these communities to you know continuously buy bottled water is like 
immense. Um, so pretty much there was this report that came out in late February. Um, and it was like, yeah, this is going on. Uh, you know, the government did not reach our goal and we have to do something about this. So, you know, it's hard to say if like this is actually gonna happen. I know. So they, uh, originally they gave $2 billion to water infrastructure for fixing water infrastructure. Um, and now they are allotting another 1.5 billion for the year 2021, the fiscal year 2021. And they're giving more money to start doing more work starting in 2026. Um, mm. That's a lot of like jargon, I guess, just like all these different dates. But the fact is, is just that like Canada really needs to like restructure the way that they look at water infrastructure. Um, so like the, the funding formula for First Nations and water infrastructure, it just hasn't been updated for 30 years. So they've been basing wow. everything on something like from a really, really long time ago. And operators in First Race first nations water systems like the people who like operate the water systems they're usually paid around 30 percent less than operators in other parts of the country which makes it actually hard for first nations communities to like get like skilled workers to come and work in their um in their communities Uh. and so that's like part of the problem um and then like another part of the problem is indigenous service indigenous services canada which is pretty much like our um Indian Bureau here in the United States, where they're Mm -hmm. in charge of all indigenous stuff. Um, They provide about 80% of the funding, leaving 20% up to the First Nations to handle. But a lot of times some communities like can't manage that much. And so their water infrastructure kind of just goes to waste in that way. So now because there's been so much, there's just been this like great failure on Trudeau's government, which is like very, you know, liberal and they said that they were going to fix this problem and Trudeau made all these promises. Now they're saying like, okay, okay, we're going to fund it a hundred percent. We're going to try to like get all these water advisories like out of advisory period and um, see if they can try to fix it. But it's just like, what's appalling to me, (laughs) I guess, is that some of these communities has been going on for 10 years. Like, Oh my gosh. um, And yeah. And I think this just goes to show that like, when so-called like liberal politicians or like the liberal party comes into um, a position of power, the assumption is they're going to fix all these structural issues within their Mm -hmm. country. And that's not always the case. And so it's just really important to hold these institutions accountable because like, why, why is there water formula 30 years old like why didn't they fix that yeah. in 2015 why was that still a thing and why is like the government when it's something there that's forcing them to suffer every single right day. like it seems like that should have been like their biggest priority was to do everything they could to fix this problem and apparently that's not what they did so um yeah it's a very upsetting piece and um Hopefully they actually fix it in the next, like, few years. Um, mm. But, you know, considering how historically Canada has has looked at their indigenous communities, I, like, part of me is just like, I don't know if that's actually going to happen. Yeah, it just goes to show, like, this actually is a good segue into my piece on Deb Holland. Yeah. The importance of not just having a liberal party, but 
actual representatives that represent the communities being affected in the country. Yeah. Uh just because there's a hot liberal guy <laughs> does not mean he's going to do anything. Or a old sorry, liberal guy. I'm sorry, world. Like we have. Yeah. God. Or a formerly, a hot, formerly hot liberal guy like we have. <laughs> um, formerly hot, currently senile. Yeah. Um, but I, I, just to end this, and then, Lucia, you can talk about um, uh, your piece and how great it is, um, is that uh, I guess that even in first world countries water is like not a right (laughs) and it's uh consistently a privilege for people and um that's something that i've been just learning a lot more about in the past year and alicia i know you've like worked in fresh water issues like in your undergrad and things like that and i don't think everyone realizes that like it's not just like countries that are in conflict or countries that are in drought that deal with water issues. It's like mm. in your own community that people are having water issues. So uh, keep keep yeah. that in mind. <laughs> so true. Like Flint obviously brought it to the mainstream media, but Flint is just one example of many that happen all the time. It's like the issue we discussed two podcasts ago with the Centerville mm. and the plumbing issues it's like there's so many poorer places that because it's really easy for water infrastructure to have problems it's so, it's like infrastructure that needs to be updated yeah. pipes can get old um and if water isn't properly filtered and maintained it's something just we all take for granted because we live in modern times yeah. but like the infrastructure is so complex and uh Water is a right, not a privilege. Water. Okay. <laughs> do you, do you, do we want to move into the, the happy part of our podcast? Yeah, that was actually the perfect segue. Okay. Um, cause good news. Deb Holland has finally been, um, uh confirmed Yay! as the first Native American cabinet secretary. This Ooh. this uh I, I got many places reported on this, but I'm reading it from the New York Times climate section. It's really emotional to read this article. Mm-hmm. Just to think of how absurd it is that we have never had a Native American in this position and that she is in a role and overseeing a department that has so abused um indigenous peoples in the united states Mm -hmm. is it's just it's really um it's really incredible so uh this this will provide interesting background on her and what the department actually does so she was confirmed on monday it is now uh, Wednesday. wednesday And so she's the secretary of the Department of the Interior, which um, manages public lands and minerals, national parks and wildlife refuges, and upholds federal trust responsibilities to Indian tribes and Native Alaskans. Uh, It also is responsible for endangered species conservation and other environmental conservation efforts. So this is a super environmental position. This is... um, It... Yeah, she's going to have a huge effect on climate policy, and it is very exciting. And also, um, she's going to be leading the Bureau of Indian Affairs, and Mm -hmm. that is going to hopefully turn around some of the really poor 
uh, just the really poor management that the United States has provided for um, Native American people. And uh, this is probably a good time to explain like the relation. I think a lot of people don't really understand the relationship that the United States has to Native American reservations. Mm -hmm. Elaine and I learned all about this last year. So basically when uh, we colonized, um, when white people colonized the United States, which wasn't the United States at the time, um, they moved Native Americans, they basically removed them from their native territories and like forced them to go on reservations. And uh, the and native peoples are allowed to have, they have their own constitutions, they have sovereignty on their reservations, but the relationship between the United States and um, indigenous tribes is basically that the native tribes are wards of the United States and the United States is basically supposed to be like the guardian Mm -hmm. that provides uh, support and funding for these reservations. Mm -hmm. And so they're supposed to fund like education and food assistance and things like that. Um, But historically the United States has done an incredibly horrible job of actually providing support. Mm -hmm. So native um native tribes uh they often like don't have enough support to have like up to par school systems um a lot of people a lot of children like on reservations um go to school outside the reservation there are a lot of times Um, there's food deserts or they're in health deserts like they don't have proper um public health care uh you have to drive pretty far so diabetes is a huge issue it's uneven between uh between tribes um and there's they don't get listened to ever in like almost any case um because there's also the importance of treaty rights that a lot of, um, if any, all of the tribes were coerced into signing, into ceding their land so states could become states. Um, and those those treaty rights are the supreme law of the land. Like, they are um, incredibly important legal rights that tribes have, and they are often ignored and thrown aside. So especially in environmental situations, it's going to be really great to have um, Deb Holland, like, you know, at the forefront of a lot of this stuff because, like, it's just, like, these fights are so unjust and Mm -hmm. um, tribes forever have to fight for their right to have the, you know, the land, the water, to have, um, as you know, economic sovereignty, things like that. So, you know, this is a huge deal and I'm so, I'm also so glad that she's, representing like it's amazing um and about time it's been it's crazy that this hasn't already happened and that just like who the who i don't even know who's been doing this stuff before but people who haven't been doing a good job yeah the previous interior leader of the interior department david bernhardt uh was a former oil lobbyist and david yeah i love it (laughs) And, like, everybody in Trump's administration, and he played a major role in their, in the Trump administration's um, rollback of environmental regulations and opening up the nation's lands and waters to drilling and mining, like, um, opening the Alaskan Tongass Forest and things like that. So, some background on her, Deb, uh, Representative Deb Holland uh, of New Mexico um, she was one of two Native American women elected to the House of Representatives in 2018. 
and um uh, beyond the interior department's responsibility for the well-being of the nation's 1.9 million native people um, it oversees 500 million acres of public land federal waters off the united states coastline a huge system of dams and reservoirs across the western united states and the protection of thousands of endangered species and um, republicans it took a while for her to get confirmed um, one reason being that republicans were super opposed um, she was voted in on a 51-40 vote mm-hmm. um, for Repu- uh, Republican senators uh, voted yes to her. Four. But the mm. Yeah, four. Um, and the reason that so many were opposed is because she has a history, which we love, of fighting gas and oil companies. And she's very vocal about climate change yeah. and racial equity and energy policy. And they don't like that. And they think she's coming in biased, which is insane because, like, all the previous ones were, you know, former oil lobbyists. <laughs> yeah, bias my ass. And yeah. yeah, whatever. Mitch McConnell said that supporting her would raise gas prices and hurt families oh. and raise energy bills for seniors. He's the worst. God. Um, yeah, just oh God, he needs to. They will bless they'll him. Say, bless that they'll man. They'll say whatever they need to say so they can get their like lobbyist money or whatever, however they may. Literally, because yeah. they're all backed by oil, oil companies. Yeah. Um. So very exciting. She is expected to right away halt any new drilling, reinstate wildlife conservation rules, rapidly expand wind and solar power on public lands and waters, and place the Interior Department at the center of Mr. Biden's climate agenda um yeah so super cool i mean it's true that gas prices are already really high right now so they do have to be like delicate about decisions that they make and like how they make Mm. them but it's obviously the right decision because it's just so bad for the environment yeah Um, yeah yeah wow so yeah very exciting she is a member of the laguna pueblo and she is a 35th generation new mexican amazing such good just so cool it is such good news as much as biden is already disappointing all of us like (laughs) many (laughs) many of his (laughs) many of his picks are really like for his cabinet are really great and for the different departments and this is such a huge one that's like so overdue yeah this is honestly this is the least that he should be doing right like it's yeah this should have been done a long time the bar is pretty low the bar is very low considering our history so um yeah, but it doesn't it doesn't downplay it. It's great. Great news. No. Um yeah. Yes. Uh and um so I think like as we begin with jeans, we end with jeans. Jeans. And um I don't know if you saw this like a few days ago, Lucia, but like um <laughs> jeans were trending on uh on Twitter and I was like, what's this about? No, I didn't see yeah, that. Yeah, they were trending because of like just this new way of processing jeans and how it can like say oh wait is it like the micro bubbles or something that's exactly what i'm gonna talk about so um i saw that and i screenshotted it because i was like i'm gonna talk about jeans um so usually when you create distressed jeans so jeans that look like they've been worn for a long time they've been out of the sun you know distressed jeans um Mm. they're usually created in a process that's a mix of water and toxic chemicals uh that kind of like like wash around the jeans and give them this like distressed 
the distressed look that's like primarily how they're made um it uses a ton of water and then the excess that um that they have after this process just is just usually dumped into the ocean um which is really crazy yeah so it's not good and that's how a lot of your distressed jeans are made but punk it's punk yeah um so just buy clean nice crisp jeans um but actually you can get distressed jeans um but there are certain ways that um that now the production has changed so there is a company that was created called genealogy genealogy Geno, genealogy it's probably no it's probably genealogia it's it's gene o-l-o-g-i-a how, how would you say genealogy it? genealogy 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 that's probably a genealogy yeah yes. i mean not the not the smoothest name no i think it just sounds like genealogy or something anyway genealogy Oh, well, probably. we've said it like seven times now, so you'll know it. Um, so they've spent the last 26 years trying to change this process. Um, and now wow. he has saved as much as 90% of water in the process. And because um, sustainability and looks so cool on companies now, uh, 35% of the world's genes are now using this company's machines. Whoa, cool. Yeah. Um, and this has especially been the case in that I'm on the website. It's like someone operating the machine. Oh, really? Like all gene. Yeah, he's wearing <laughs> he's like like a, a gene track a and Canadian tuxedo. Um, but yeah, in the past five years, they they've really taken off because like I wrote in my notes, I was like because of teens. But yeah, it's really because like our our generation and the generation um, below us, they've they've been just really pushing for sustainability in their clothing, and companies oh, cool. are looking toward. Um, you know, revamping their process and saving water. Um, so the most recent, mach- they've had some machines in the past. So one of them was a laser machine and it was able to kind of like laser print the distress onto the jeans, which saved water. More recently, uh, they've used something called an, uh, the airflow device, which is a giant washing machine that uses air instead of water. Um, and it's just mm. these tiny air bubbles that surround the jeans and they create almost like a cloud around the jeans. And the air, it carries more of those chemicals more efficiently than the water does. And um, the company's able to use only 10 liters of water instead of 100 liters of water, which is what wow. like regular distressing jeans uses. And then what's even cooler is the company you takes the water that's been used and they filter it back into the process. So like it's kind of like they're trying to do it as much of a closed loop process as possible. Um, and so far they've been working with brands like Levi's and Tommy Hilfiger, Calvin Klein. Um, they've wow. even worked with some fast fashion retailers like Zara and H&M and things like that. So um, just because like, you know, these companies are just trying to look at least look more sustainable and yeah um, yeah this is a really great system of just not using as much water as usually is used on jeans that's so cool yeah it is i was so happy to read that and i'm so glad that it was trending on twitter (laughs) yeah because it's like sort of a not a random company but like if you look it up they're based in spain yeah and that was what was crazy in the piece i read which was on bloomberg they were like this company started just kind of like 
in the garage. Like it was just like a small, a small company that was just starting out um, that didn't have a lot of interest in their products. The guys, the, the CEO said that like when he first started working in this, he was like, um, talking to companies and they were like what are you Greenpeace like nobody was interested in them at all but just because like in the past few years sustainability has been like cool or whatever then now everyone's jumping on this new product so they can just say like oh our jeans were made like in this sustainable kind of process that's exciting yeah yes tiktokers yes they've done it they may have made fun of our hair and our jeans and our, they're really changing the 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 trajectory of jeans yeah on this planet um enrique enrique silla is his name is the like owner of the company um and it's exciting yeah and i think it's so crazy how much water goes into making jeans and most clothes yeah it's very water intensive yeah it like dying and everything yeah it is and the fact that like just the trend of stressing jeans makes them use a hundred liters of water is like crazy <laughs> so crazy yeah just like rub them against we should our- all be in trash bags <laughs> we don't deserve that they they like like in a million years like another a like an alien race is gonna be like oh they they lost their entire water supply like making (laughs) just just like these weird they're gonna come down onto earth and we're gonna have no water and we're all gonna be a bunch of skeletons dead on the ground in jeans (laughs) we're like i hope you're happy like they're just like really confused they're like it seems like they just like wasted all their water on ruining their clothing (laughs) Yeah. Oh. yeah or you could just wear jeans yeah like you just rub, normal like, jeans rub them against a rock outside like it's the same process that's so interesting yeah wow. uh, but yeah good news good news that's good news it is and uh so think twice before you make your you buy your holy yeah. jeans look into know where you're shopping and you could always buy secondhand or and listen to our new podcast new podcast socialist jeans coming soon i feel like it should be called socialist jeans society <laughs> socialist jeans society i like I that like it too. but it could also be policy we'll we'll figure it out it gives us it gives us more room to talk about more than just jeans yeah, yeah. i think but always coming back to jeans. i think if we had guests on too to talk about their own like yeah they're like own we could have the jeans. director of the owner of levi's on i, I bet, bet we could get some heavy hitters on we could get some heavy hitters on i think since we're the only gene oriented podcast uh we're, we're gonna be famous who else has we're done gonna this? Be famous. who else has done this Leave, write in the comments if you think that this is a good idea <laughs> if you've done this <laughs> if, you've done this. <laughs> if we're taking your idea let us know if you take our idea we'll sue you let us know let us know <laughs> cool idea guys i'm gonna start it <laughs> uh, good stuff good stuff um, good stuff this was a good one